Media Center for the Arts promotes, showcases, and supports the arts from across the African diaspora. As part of Media Center's work, we're proud to showcase to you a series of artist conversations as part of our Left of Center program. Left of Center is a two-year artist incubator that supports the careers of emerging black artists working across a wide range of disciplines. And as part of the Left of Center program, you're here to listen to a series of artist conversations from folks like Sarah Ty Black, Kevin Ray, and more. These conversations are meant to support emerging artists in propelling their careers forward from everything from grant writing, developing artist statements, and empowering yourself as a black creative in this city. Stay tuned for more, and if you have any questions, you can always email Nia Center at info at niacenter.org, or you can follow us online at Nia Center as well across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks so much and enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome back to another series in Left of Center. Today we're going to be talking about media coverage, how to get the clicks, how to get the coverage, how to get the ink, and I'm so pleased that we're joined by Pasant Matar, our expert for today. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Alika. Did you want to introduce and tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Pasant Matar. I am a, a former CBC producer. I was there for 10 years. I predominantly worked in radio. I also did TV. I'm a writer, podcast producer, radio producer, and um, I'm very happy to be here to tell you all about it. Absolutely. You have, I just love that you have been behind the camera, you know, on camera, um, in a studio, and sort of able to walk us through sort of the process and really demystify what it's like to get coverage. Because I know for many folks, it's just like you end up on TV, you end up in a story, and it's like, how did it all happen? So first I wanted to talk a bit about the media landscape, because so much has changed in basically the past decade. Um, before it was just newspaper, TV, radio, sort of the predominant ways that we hear about artists, we get familiar with their work, this is the prime way that you could sort of share your story. You're really dependent on media coverage in order to get your name out there. The game's changed a bit. Can you talk to us a bit about how the media landscape has changed? Sure. So I would say, I mean, mainstream media is still, I would say, king in many ways. It is still kind of like the main place that people get attention and, and media coverage and things like that. But I also think that it doesn't have to be in mainstream media anymore that you get the attention, right? So these days you have Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, um, Instagram Lives, like mediums that just did not exist before. And I can tell you that when I was a producer, a lot of my story ideas I actually looked for online. Mm -hmm. I would see like, what are people talking about? Who's put something out that you know everyone's talking about that people have opinions on? And I tried to kind of sidestep traditional media because I found that a lot of like new upcoming voices were, hadn't, hadn't yet penetrated mainstream media. And so I had an ear kind of to the ground of what people were talking about online. Um, so I think these days people have an advantage in the sense that they are not dependent on the mainstream journalists and the mainstream outlets to cover them. You can do your own coverage these days. You know, you can have Instagram lives with artists. You can have your own panel discussions. You can put out information that you wouldn't have been able to do before. There's blogs and things like that. But it does help to also penetrate that kind of mainstream landscape as well. So. I'm not here to say mainstream is irrelevant. I think it's still an important player, but I also think there's a whole other kind of network of places that people can get their voices heard, their artwork showcased, their opinions put out, and it would be really smart to kind of invest in that as well. And that can be a vehicle to get into mainstream. Right. Yeah, that's such an important point because I feel like a lot of people are so fixated on a bigger publication and so, for example, Overlook, if you're in music, you know, a smaller up-and-coming magazine or a really popular blog, 
as, a, as another place that they could be pitching instead of just going straight to like the culture writer at you know a pitchfork or a fader or whatever. Right. Um, and so there's all these other sort of grassroots publications that also have value and that you can also point to to say, oh, I'm actually hot here. Like these people have covered me, you know, and then be looking at, at larger publications. Yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right. Like people, artists for sure should be taking their sort of profile and image into their own hands and really shaping that through their own social media platforms. Yes, and I would say something that's happening these days that didn't exist before is artists and community being able to amplify each other. Mm -hmm. And especially in this era of Black Lives Matter, of this reckoning that we're seeing over race, like, and I, I want to be careful of how I say this, I'm not saying like it's cool to be a black artist now, but like now more than ever, there's interest in what's happening. Like people who say they want to do better are saying they want to look for new voices, they want to look for different people. And our own communities are actually very important. And we don't have to kind of look at mainstream to kind of, um, what's the word? Uh, um, verify each other, right. you know? Validate. So Validate, that's the word I was looking for. And so I think that there's almost like it, there's an, a whole other ecosystem that community and artists can kind of use for each other, like almost like an insular one. Mm. Um, so I think that's something that ha that didn't really exist before this time. Yeah, and there's a huge focus too, even on black publications, you know, go harkening back to like buy blacks online in Toronto or you know, looking at some of the more community newspapers and not discounting them as a way to like reach us. Mm -hmm. And social media as well, like the like major platforms and accounts that, you know, are, are primarily run by or supported by our community is, a, is an important part of the narrative. I think we get so fixated on mainstream, yes. but increasingly it's like, we need to also support each other within our community platforms. Yes, and I would say that, you know, I'm, I'm generalizing a lot here, but you know, an artist doing a, a, a media interview with a black-owned publication, with a black journalist, with a black producer, there's a almost like a familiarity and a language and an ease that wouldn't exist if you went straight to, you know, the Globe or something like that. And I think that especially early media, um, you know, for starting starting small or starting grassroots, mm -hmm. I think it's you know, in terms of getting your message out there in an authentic way being able to kind of speak your own language and not having to kind of code switch and explain to another audience, yeah. it actually goes a long way to kind of start with community-led places where you can kind of, you don't have to explain yourself so much. Mm -hmm. So there's a real value, because then the first, you know, the first time you get up on a Google search, you're in conversation with someone who understands. And I just think it's almost like a more authentic way to at least like for those early stages to get out there. And test the waters, test your message, kind of like get your feet wet in having a conversation with a media person before it needs to maybe be like a bit guarded or yes. a bit more uh, refined in the messaging. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, so on that note, can you talk to us a bit about like what does the process look like? You know, you just released an album or you just completed an exhibit. How do you actually go about um, seeking out media attention? I know oftentimes we suddenly see this like piece on CBC or someone's on mm -hmm. TV and it's kind of like, how did that happen? Yeah. How should artists go about seeking that? So this is like, there could almost be like a day long workshop on this because yeah. there's so much to cover, but I'll try to demystify the kind of beginning to end. So the first thing I would say is it originates with a pitch. And one thing to think about when you're dealing with media is time. So if your exhibit is coming out in like a week and you're just now thinking about your, your media pitch, 
I have news for you. <laughs> um, journalists are notoriously busy being pulled in 700 directions, have you know five stories on the go at any given time. And so you want to get there early so that they know that this is coming up and they have time to dedicate resources, their own time, their journalists, if you want a camera crew or whatever. So number one, when you're thinking of your pitch, think about timing and start early and often. So this is something that I've also noticed over the years that you know previously when newspaper was like king, there was lots of reporters, you know, a designated reporter for you know culture or music or entertainment. And so you could reach out to them and that's all they did. Whereas now I'm finding there's a lot more reporters who are freelance, who work multiple beats or subject matter. Mm -hmm. And so you do need to, as you say, give that lead time because sometimes they're not working for that publication full time. Yes. So they might be interested in the story, but they might not be working this week or working on a different story. So how much lead time would you say? It really depends, but I would say like at least three weeks in advance. Okay. And it's tricky because you know, you're know you thinking of, like there's so many things to think about. Is it a daily publication? Mm -hmm. Is it one that's weekly? Is it monthly? So it depends on your target. But overall, I think the takeaway is start thinking about your media strategy early. This is not something that you send the day of or the day before. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I would say for pitches, I think people really fixate on media kits and press releases and trying to make things really pretty. Yeah, which is formal. Yeah, which is not a bad thing. But for me, as a, as a journalist and as a producer, what I'm looking for when I'm getting a pitch is a story. Who are you? What's the story that you're telling? What's different about you? Right. Well, and also, these days especially, but, but it's always like a very relevant question, is why now? Mm. How does this tie into, especially if you're trying to get kind of more mainstream, um, kind of news-based current affairs coverage and you're trying to penetrate into you know, the discussion of what's happening these days, Frame it in terms of what is your ex what does your exhibit have to say about what's happening in these times? What is your album? Is it a reflection of you know the moment that we're in, um, and your personal story? Right. So journalists and producers, we're all everyone is drawn to stories. We're drawn to emotion. We're drawn to narrative. So you can have the most beautiful press release put out, but if I don't know the why, the why now, the who you are, what's different about you? Mm. Um, that's really like the key stuff that I'm looking for. Uh, the other thing is I think, and I get it, you know, people don't have a lot of resources, but when I get a very generic press release, it's very easy to ignore. Right. It's like to whom it may concern and they, I can tell they haven't actually researched my publication or my show and I'm like, we don't cover this stuff. Right. So the most effective um, pitches that I got knew who I was um, or my show. Like, I know the show has done this and this. This is how this advances that conversation. Or here's a new angle on something you covered two weeks ago. Mm. Um, it also knows, uh, you know, maybe it's like something that I've covered in the past. And they're like, oh, we thought this would be interesting for you. Right. So just think of tailoring your pitches. And that's why it's important to start early. Do your research. Know who you're approaching. Um, you know, what kind of things that they cover. The journalists themselves, what their interests are and really like drill down why you, why now? And what's like, think about it in narrative. And mm -hmm. I think as artists, um, sometimes it can be hard to kind of translate that, but at the core of it, tell us a story. Right. And that's where my brain is like, oh, that's so interesting. Right. Not a beautiful press release with like too many links. And I'm like, I don't know what this is about. Right. For me personally, and this is a personal, um, uh, a personal preference, but I 
uh, whenever I got something as an attachment in an email, mm -hmm. because I'm getting like 12 of these a day, I'm not opening right. the attachment. Put yeah. it in the body. You know, get my attention, use my name. Right. Um, and outside of that, and I think online, I know we're in a pandemic and it's, it's a harder time to kind of relate to people. Um, but make relationships with people. Mm -hmm. It's so much easier for me to even consider a pitch. And I'm not saying I have to know you personally, but if I know of you. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean this in a very authentic way, like invest in relationships, look at what people are doing, amplify their work, send them a note, say, I love the story that you wrote. You know, I do X, Y, Z, keep, you know, then you're on their radar. Mm -hmm. And then when I get a pitch, I'm like, oh, I remember them. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's just like the very early pitch process. Um, so I would emphasize giving time, um, really tailoring your, your pitch yeah. and also telling a story in it. And then let's just say the pitch gets greenlit. So depending on what kind of media you're doing, um, often it's the next stage is a pre-interview. Mm. So this is almost like an audition because even as a producer, you can pitch something and it may not be necessarily greenlit until you have like all your ducks in a row. So a pre-interview is almost like a test where it's just like, and sorry, to back up one step, so after you get the pitch that is customized, that says, hey, Pacin, gives a background on the artist, is captivating, you're taking that to your editor to say, hey, I got this email, you know, this artist is coming out with a new album, I feel like it's really interesting because of X. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to say, okay, Pacin, look into it more. Yeah. Or we want to do this, or maybe, I mean, the best thing is when it's like, it's like a slam dunk of a pitch. Right. Those are the best. And so you want to like think about it. As an artist, you want this to be a slam dunk of a pitch because that you then have to go to an editor. Mm -hmm. And maybe you run your, you know, these days people run their own publications. They have blogs. Like, so sometimes there isn't that level of gatekeep gatekeeping, but I'm thinking of like the kind of mainstream stuff. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, you might be invited to a pre-interview, which is just like, tell me about your work. You want to see... And this is where it matters, like what kind of talker you are. You know, if you're doing traditional broadcast stuff, podcasting, audio, TV, they want to know that you can carry an interview, that you can tell a story. In print, it's a little, it's not as, as difficult because print is print and a quote is a quote. Yeah. You're um, having a conversation with a reporter so they can get what they need from you. Exactly. Um, but sometimes, so yeah, so you'll go to a pre-interview where you kind of have a conversation with the producer, they ask you questions, and then you get a sense of what an interview might look like. Mm -hmm. Something to demystify as well is I think a lot of artists sometimes, and people who just aren't traditionally in media, are like, oh, send us your questions. Yeah. And we don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it depends. And it, kind it of, depends. But generally for, like, an artist, they're not going to send the questions in advance. Yeah. 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 And generally, like, kind of the more journalism-y it is, like, it, it's like you will never get questions in advance. Yeah. But, and this is why the pre-interview may seem annoying to you to be like, why do I have to do this twice? Mm -hmm. But the pre-interview is your way of kind of getting a sense of what the conversation might be like. Right. Okay. And then depending on, again, the medium or whatever, but let's just say it's for broadcast, for broadcast then you'd be invited for an interview. Um, the interview could be live. It could be pre-taped. And you can, as an artist, ask about these things. Right. Will this be live? Will it be pre-taped? How long is it? Is this going to be like a three-minute thing or do we have an hour? And that'll also help you kind of frame your key messaging. What is it that you want to tell? It's, it goes by so fast. It's over like this. Yeah, I always think that like when someone says, oh yeah, we're gonna do like a four minute segment or a five minute segment, I'm like, oh, okay, plenty time. No. And then I actually usually think through my messages and sometimes even time myself, I'm like, oh wow, it's like nothing. 
five minutes, you probably get to like three questions max. Yeah. Right? So, um, so ask about timing, ask about format, and uh, depending on, you know, what the publication or the organization is like, you know, ask for these things. Could we pre-tape it instead of doing it live if it's your first time? Mm -hmm. And then one big thing to be aware of is the editing process, right? So even when you do an interview, um, it rarely goes out as is unless it's live, but it will be cut down. So, and this is where you start to kind of lose control over your interview and your work, and that's something that you should be aware of going into it. Mm -hmm. That you they're going to clip what they want to clip. Yes. Yeah. And another thing that I get asked a lot, and it's happened, is people saying like, "Oh, can you lose that part? Can you cut this out?" And I can tell you that again in journalism, like there's almost like a no going back. You know, you might have someone who's like very kind and like, but in in general. If yeah. it's on the record, it's on the record. Yeah. And this is why I ask for something like a pre-tape, um, something that's taped ahead of time so that if you stumble, you can stop and be like, I want to take that question again. Mm. Um, and then obviously it goes out on, usually on the publication schedule too, which is why I go back to the thing about timing, right? If you want media coverage like a week in advance, then you're pitching this like four weeks in advance so that it's in the news maybe a week before your exhibit, before your album. So um, that is just like a snippet of what, of kind of like trying to demystify how you get from pitch to on the air and all the steps in the way. Yeah, it's quite a process. It's a lot. It's quite a process, but such a key part of it. And I think, you know, one of the key things you're pointing out is doing that research and building those relationships. And that can look like a variety of things that start weeks and months in advance, right? Like following publications that you want to be covered in, following journalists who cover um, you know, and write about the discipline and work that you're doing or interested in mm -hmm. um, and seeing how they, like reading those articles and seeing how they um, present those stories so you can better position yourself when it comes to your time. So it really seems like, you know, we're always consuming media, like yeah. we're on our phones or reading articles or, you know, reading captions, all these kinds of things. But I think it's like doing it with a bit of a critical eye mm -hmm. to see how do I fit in this landscape and what, what do I want to say about my story and how do I share that with uh, the people who are ultimately writing these, these pieces? Yeah, and the other thing, the kind of flip side of that coin too, is I think there's almost a danger in almost trying to tailor yourself so much to a publication that's gonna give you attention and you almost kind of lose yourself in the process. And this is where I come back to, I know it seems very simple, but I come back to things like Twitter, I, I come back to things like Instagram, you know, sometimes I've pitched whole stories based on a very interesting Twitter thread mm. where someone has something really interesting to say. And um, even the way they write about something, then I can invite them on for an interview about something they put out online. So think about media, like, I think what I'm trying to say is carve out your own lane too. Like, do what it is that feels good for you, for your own community, for your own conversations, and it will come organically. I think I'm just, I'm, I think I'm warning against this kind of obsession with like getting the, the article, getting the, it, I, like, um, this is going to sound corny, but authenticity really comes through yeah. online. Yeah. And, um, and these days, you know, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, there were like 27 Instagram lives every day. Yeah. But that's like its own that. medium of like being able to talk about your stuff. Yeah, you know, so it's your own show. It's your own show. Like, and you never know who's tuning in. I think that's such an amazing tip. Yeah, is that your opinion on a particular subject matter? You know, you're just going off on your Twitter early on a Monday about, 
you know, the pandemic or, you know, who came at you in the convenience store last night yes. or something that happened on the street and that could turn into a story. Exactly. And so you are kind of making your own subject matter expertise, like being true to yourself, speaking your own opinion and being consistent about it yes. can attract writers, you know, producers, etc. if they're also interested in writing or talking about the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. So don't lose your own, your own voice, your own interest, your own natural way of speaking. I think sometimes there's almost like a too formulaic way of being online. Yeah. And it, it can it can start to look a bit disingenuous. Right. So um, anyway, I really grab it. And I think a lot of people, we're all looking for authentic stories. We're looking for authentic people. And it's an organic, slow building process. So even in the hunt for the big article, don't kind of sidestep your own way of being, your own ways of speaking, your own ways of relating to community, mm. because that also flips a switch for me as a producer, where I'm like, they've been doing this for a long time. They've been mm. talking about this for a long time, and now something happened in the news. Oh, and this artist just put out a song about it. Right. You know what I mean? So um, it can be discouraging because, you know, artists think about, oh, it's my big exhibit, it's my big album, and it may not happen on your time, but you still want to be out there so that if something happens, you know, someone will say, oh, an artist just did a whole exhibit on black masculinity. Mm -hmm. Maybe he would be good on a panel discussion about this. Mm -hmm. And it may not necessarily be tied to the exhibit, for example. So right. think big. Yeah. It's like, it's a long game. Yeah. I, yeah, that's such a great point. Because it's, it's also that, I mean, you're kind of saying like every day, is an opportunity. Exactly. Right? Like, as long as you are, you shouldn't be waiting for just when you put that body of work out. Every day that you are, you know, refining your practice, refining your story, you know, thinking about the world around us and your particular insights about it could, could be, you know, a story, mm -hmm. could be an opportunity. So just being authentic and being yourself is a part of that pathway and, and also being consistent about it. I think that that's sometimes the challenge that we all face in our lives is, yeah you know, bringing that um, consistency to just talking about ourselves and our stories and our opinions on the world. And there's so much going online, but, you know, being an artist, you're also a leader. So yes. that is that is part of the work, too. So that's such a good point. Okay. Can you tell us a bit about, um, I guess, some of the points that you would share um, around um, securing... Uh, no, wait, no. We did this already. I'm <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. Okay. So for an artist who is looking to secure coverage on a particular piece of work or has a major accomplishment, um, where would you think that they start? So this is where I, there's a few things. Um, start on your own socials, like make it so that if someone lands on your page, they know exactly that you have something coming up and things like that. So build it for yourself first, build it for your community. And again, this is where I keep coming back to authenticity because then people are like, wow, they really care about this. Mm -hmm. And then start doing your research. So think, where do I actually, where do I want to land? It can't just be like, I want media coverage because right. media these days means so many things. Do you want to be featured on a prominent influencer's page? Do you want to be on the radio, on TV? So do your research in terms of like, what is your ideal medium of how you want to tell your story? If you're a visual artist, you probably want something where people can see it. So TV, magazines, um, papers, maybe photojournalists, things like that. And so, and this is where the relationship building comes in handy. So if you've been following someone for two years, you've exchanged a few emails, and then you can say, hey, I have something coming up. So I would say, um, like, reach out to people directly, tailor it as much as possible, 
These days, everyone has their, you know, their emails and their Twitter bios. You can tell what reporters work for what organizations. You can tell freelance writers and the kind of work that they do. Mm -hmm. um, so approach them. Um, approach them with an email, with a tweet, or something like that. And um, have something ready to show them, too. Mm. Um, even if you've been mentioned in like a small community paper, or um, you have your Instagram work to show them, um, that's one way to just kind of get on people's radars. But yeah. I would say approach early, tailor, and try to do it with people that you've built relationships with. And ask people that you know, hey, I, th I see that you know so-and-so. Do you think you could make an introduction? Mm -hmm. Sometimes people, it, it can be uncomfortable for whatever reason. Yeah. But ask, can I say that you know you and I know each other? Because sometimes even just a little bit of a cosign. Yeah. I'm so-and-so's friend, or I'm a colleague of so-and-so's. And Everyone is just looking for, at the end of the day, something that's familiar to them, something mm -hmm. that feels safe and tried and tested. Mm -hmm. I think there's a quote-unquote risk of going with people that we don't know. And there's, you know, there's, there's a reason why certain people end up in the media all the time. Right. It's because they're, they're tried and tested. They're media ready. They have those relationships. They have those relationships. They're, they're gettable like this. Yeah. Right? And you see that in media, too. I can remember, like doing a couple interviews and then all of a sudden the media have your number and they kind of know that you speak about these things yes. and then they just like call you out of the blue. Hey, can you come in tomorrow and talk about this? And it's like, why are you calling me? Yeah. But it's again, tried and true. We know this person's going to appear on camera. We know that they can carry an interview and so they just keep going back to it. So you're trying to essentially break into, break exactly. the mold essentially. Yes. And get, you know, those folks who need someone or need a story or, you know, looking to fill a gap. but you want to be that fresh voice. Exactly. Yeah. So and you, so you need to start following the conversation. Yeah. And be part to be part of it. And be and again like the the more you can familiarize yourself to them through like hey you wrote about this and I do this in my work mm -hmm. or I know so and so or so just a way to kind of break that barrier of I don't know who you are what your work is. So that could be a contact, that could be um, referring to work that they've done in the past, it mm -hmm. could be something that's happening in the news or just a cultural conversation. So try to um, find your way in. Right. Yeah. Make yourself relevant. Exactly, exactly. Great tips. Um, you're giving, giving us so much. I'm trying to think about something we haven't covered. Oh yeah, the other side of the game. Okay, so in this moment, mm -hmm. we know now that a lot of media publications are also looking for black artists to, for everything, right? For all of the stories, we now need to just cover the community. So I think, you know, how do we better best prepare artists who are now, you know, folks are reaching out to them, can you give comment here, can we cover you? How should artists prepare for those conversations? Yeah, that's a big one these days especially because I think it's kind of a double-edged sword for me. It's like suddenly everyone wants to talk to black artists, everyone wants to talk to black people about their work and stuff like that. and. So this is where it depends who you're talking to, and this is where it helps to have relationships where, and you know, it's a shame that there's so few black journalists, mm -hmm. black outlets, black producers, because it makes such a difference, even from the pitch process to the pre-interview, there's a shared language. Yeah. You don't have to do as much explaining. So I'm, I'm operating from the perspective of there aren't a lot of black journalists out there. So for the most part, you are speaking to people who may not be from the community or things like that. Um, so something that you may want to think about, and I have kind of mixed feelings about this, is just kind of almost like the code switch. How do you explain this thing that in the community is so kind of 
understood and well-known, how are you going to bridge that to an audience that may not be familiar with this? Right. So whether we're talking about um, hair or um, colorism or racism or gender stuff. So think about how would you talk to this, how would you talk to someone about this who has no idea? Um, so kind of breaking it down that way. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, these days I think there's also some almost um, token efforts to kind of get black people as part of something, black artists. So do your research. Like, look at what this journalist has done in the past, what the publication's track record is. You also have a choice, mm -hmm. right? You almost are sometimes want to audition them. Like, why should I come on your show? Mm -hmm. Or like, how comfortable is it going to be? Am I going to be the only black person on this panel discussion about race? Yeah. So ask some questions. You know, you have the right to do that. Mm -hmm. You can ask who else is going to be on the panel, what's the format, things like that. And I think, like, think about what it is that you want to say. And, and I want you to kind of make sure that you feel comfortable saying what you need to and not feeling like you have to water down your message or things like that. Yeah, it's such an important point about um, asking about the angle too, right? Because I feel like sometimes we get told, oh yeah, I just need you to come by tomorrow. We're doing a segment on you know, Eglinton West and the community and how they've been displaced. And then it can become about you know, not the transit situation, but gentrification or bigger issues that maybe you weren't you know, uh, as prepared to talk about. So, being able to take that agency to be like, okay, what is this story about? You know, what's the format? Who yes. else are you talking to? Yes. Are all key questions to consider so that you're not like in a conversation that you don't feel like your practice or your music or your sound fits into. Yeah. And ask, like anytime if you're if you're ever on a phone conversation with a journalist, just ask, like, is this is this for for broadcast, is this for print, or is this on on background? Mm. Right on background is just like a journalist is just doing research and things like that. So also kind of understand when you're talking to someone, be clear and get clarification. Is this something that might go in an article, or is this just you doing your research? So I don't be afraid to ask questions back. Yeah. Right. I think sometimes in the the rush of wanting to get media coverage, we're we're open books, we're like so keen, but. Um, kind of do your research and make sure that you feel comfortable with who you're talking to mm -hmm. and, and make sure that it's in a format that uh, feels comfortable for you and that you're well armed with what it's actually going to be. And in this moment in particular, I think you've given us like some good insight into the unique tensions that exist of wanting to contribute to a conversation, but then also feeling like, you know, is this public, does this publication really understand the issues mm -hmm. and are they actually going to do um, this, you know, conversation justice. Yeah. And it's, it's something that's tricky to sort of try and discern because you're kind of might be looking at their track record or looking at previous articles or not being able to find much. Like I'm still exactly. shocked at how many um, publications I read and I go and, you know, try and find articles about black artists that they've covered or, you know, critical, you know, insights on black issues and there's just really nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so how, I guess, how do you suggest folks um, try and discern whether or not they should do it. Is it kind of like be strong in your messaging and if you have a clear message then, yeah. you know, or how do you prepare for, I guess, a tough interview? What could be a tough interview? Yeah, it, it's, it's a tough question. And I think there's a, risk in, there's a risk inherent no matter what you choose, right? So right. you can either sit it out and say, I'm not doing this, and you have every right to do so, by the way. Um, but I would say the better you can prepare, the better, like all the things that I talked about before, the more you know about the format, the length, who else is going to be on it, how are they framing the piece and things like that, 
you can prepare yourself. Mm. And I would say, especially if you're doing this for the first time, prepare with a friend. Yeah. You know, get a, a fake journalist to sit with you and ask you some questions, even do it on camera so that you have the kind of feeling. Time yourself, mm -hmm. film yourself. You don't even have to do it with a friend. You know, film yourself in the mirror. See how would you respond to a few questions. I think at the end of the day, like, you have to do what feels comfortable for you. And nine times out of 10, it's not comfortable doing media, mm. right? Like, yeah. it's, you're, and you have to kind of get past that. I think also there's a lot of, um, I'm generalizing here, but I think especially for, for women and people who are generally underrepresented, there's a lot of imposter syndrome. Oh, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I'm the right person. And sometimes that's true. Maybe you are not, I, I think, you know, part of what's happening now is media sees a black person and they're like, oh, they can talk about race. Everyone's an expert on race. Yes. Yeah. And so maybe you are not the right person for it and that's fair, but also kind of challenge yourself. Like someone reached out to you for a reason. Yeah. So give yourself a chance and the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll get and start small, mm -hmm. right? Um, and the more kind of media you do, the more familiar you become, more of a tried and true entity and then it becomes easier and easier. But know that you might do an interview and you might hate it. You might hate the way you answered a question. You might be like, oh, I forgot to mention this and that. It's all part of the risk. Mm -hmm. But these days especially, there is a moment, and I think like black artists and, and um, creatives really need to kind of seize on it by bringing themselves forward in a way that feels authentic. I think there's a moment where I think I don't know, the landscape is kind of shifting underneath us. Yeah. And there's an opening and I'm really encouraging people to kind of go for it in a way that feels authentic and safe to them and where they can be empowered in the process. Mm -hmm. Like you are an equal party to this, the media, you know, um, relationship. Mm -hmm. And so empower yourself, ask for help and arm yourself with information. But it might be scary, but like trust yourself to make the right decision. Absolutely, because yeah, ultimately it's in within you if you're ready for this opportunity, and it does feel like a much, um, I don't want to say safer, but more encouraging environment. Yeah, people are looking for good news stories. They're looking for you know folks who have persisted and pursued their their careers and you know arrived at a place um, now that they're comfortable sort of talk about their journey, and it, and it feels a lot less predatory. Yes, um, than it, than the sort of token like Black History Month kind mm -hmm. of moment, but. It still has a long way to go. Long way to go. It's still, you know, I was, um, there's an indigenous journalist who I was speaking to recently who said that media is inherently exploitative mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, go going for indigenous stories, black stories. It is a- It bleeds, it leads is like yeah. the catchphrase, yeah. But these days also, as you say, like pitch, pitch the good stories, pitch the good news stuff, pitch the stuff that's full of hope. I have a friend of mine who told me that um, this summer she, she was like, I was commissioned more times in a week than I was all year. It was like right when George Floyd was killed. And suddenly there's this like hunger for black people's stories and, and articles and things like that. And it's a bit bittersweet. It's like, well, well why now? Yeah. But I think there's a moment where it's like, use it to your, you know, use it to tell your stories, mm -hmm. pitch yourself editors and, and publications are, are on the lookout now. There's doors that are open that weren't there before. Take it with a grain of salt, right? Yeah. Um, but, but use it to your advantage and use it as almost like a, like a, like a playground, a testing ground for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So, so much good gems. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad it was 
I'm glad it was helpful. <laughs> yeah. um, so the final question we are going to ask you is right now, you know, we have an audience of primarily black artists and we want to give them, send them messages, uh, inspiring messages. And so what would you say to black artists right now in this moment? I don't know. I have so many mixed feelings because I'm like, <laughs> be careful. Like my, literally my big message is just like, be careful and like, take care of yourself. Like it, it can be such a machine out there. Mm -hmm. So, um, Take care of yourself is a good message. I really love the message about like meet, like telling your story is something you do every day. Yes. You know, and I think that, that like that tip is to me gold. Like I never yeah. really thought of it like that. Yeah. And you having an opinion and having a voice is and presenting your work is something you can do every day on your own platforms and it contributes to this big story that you're yeah. you know, leading up to. So it's yeah. like Yeah. Yeah. Something, you know. Yes. Be yourself. Be yourself. That's what you're very clearly. That, you know, feels like a cliche, but it's like when you put it so tangibly, like you can get up and start a thread and someone might be like, oh yeah, that's really interesting. We should do something on that topic. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. have the potential shift culture. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So what I would tell Black artists these days is you have long been the makers of culture, of laying the landscape, and the more authentic you are to yourself, don't look for, don't go out looking for clout. Don't go out looking for media. You know your own story. Bring it forward in a way that feels authentic and true and consistent and to yourself. And, um, you know, take pride in what you're doing and who you are and go with um, a sense of self and authenticity in terms of what you're bringing. Mm -hmm. Um, and take care of yourself, your artistic message, your kind of intention. I think sometimes we, we might try to twist and turn to fit something because we want the attention, but nothing speaks louder these days than, than a story authentically and well and consistently told. And that is the power that you have as an artist. So I guess like for some people, they, you know, thinking about the formal release of sending that out and their intention is to get media to come to the concert or come to an exhibit. Um, and when no one comes, it's kind of like, ah, did, did we not get any media? Is this just like gone sideways? Is it important for media to actually attend your event? I mean, it's nice if they do, but it's also truly, and especially these days, it's not the end of the world if they don't. Right, because the the new story about that media coverage, or even just you putting your work out there, it's happened regardless. It's in the public record, and next time, you know, I again, I think of an exhibit on, like, uh, for example, Jaw Gray's um, exhibit on black masculinity. That was a an exhibit, but then it's just out there. And if you Google black masculinity and Jaw Gray, you might come across him and be like, oh, maybe we're going to have a conversation, even if I wasn't at that exhibit. It's the exhibit still speaks for itself. Yeah. I think there's almost like a. Uh, it's nice if media is in attendance, but I don't think it's the end of the world. And especially these days, like we're in a pandemic, the idea of even coming out to an event is changing yeah. as we know it. Um, things are happening online, but I, you know, the success is getting your work out there. Mm in and of itself, I think that's such a feat. Mm -hmm. And I think that the work, you know, organically is gonna pick up steam and things like that. Um, when the wor world hopefully gets back to normal, I mean, something that helps, and this seems really silly, 
but if you have food at your event, you know, like make it like entice people. Like, why should they come? You know, but like journalists love Talk food. Yeah. yeah, you know, make it make it enticing. But um, the idea that media not coming to your event means it's a a, a failure is absolutely not true. And I think, um, you know, the works. The work is still relevant, the work still exists in the public record, and people could go back and revisit that and see you as part of future media coverage on other things. Right. It becomes a reference. Mm-hmm. And is there um, value in following up if they didn't attend, but you felt like, oh, there was a really great turnout, um, and like they didn't make it, but you know, you have photos, and so would it be useful to then follow up with certain reporters and say, oh, hey, you know, you're interested in coming, or didn't hear from you, but Here's some a recap of what happened, yeah. and I'm open to doing it, you know, a call if you want to chat about this. Yeah, and I would say, like, here's the thing. I think people take it very personally when they don't hear back from journalists and reporters and producers, but if you look at, you know, the average producer reporter's inbox, it's like there's, there's 50 of these a day, yeah. right? So even the prospect of getting back to people to say, I can't make it, sometimes is, like, not even feasible. So I would even ditch the, like, oh, I didn't hear from you or whatever, and just say... You know, my event on Friday was an amazing success. 350 people turned out from the community. There were impassioned speeches. People came up and shared their stories about growing up on Eglinton West or, um, you know, about wrestling with black masculinity, for mm-hmm. example. Here are some, you know, if there's like, like some highlights, like mm-hmm. maybe a couple of short video clips of like the best parts, um, photos. And you may never hear from them, but you better believe, like, we have this, like, encyclopedic knowledge mm-hmm. of, like, oh, remember when that person emailed me four months ago about their exhibit? They'd be perfect for this. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I'm going to say, like, get used to, like, really not hearing back from people. The silence. The silence. Yeah. It's going to be a bit crushing, but you're doing the work out, you're doing the work regardless, and people will remember and come back to you. We'll connect the dots eventually. Yeah. This person has expertise on this, or is interested in that. Exactly. And that's the thing, like what you were saying, the expertise. Like, what do you want to be known for? What do you want to be the kind of go to for? So, like, drill down those messages, and even if you don't hear from them, know that it's like out there. And follow up. Think of what's in the news, like, uh, in these news based places. like. Whatever's in the news, pitch according to that. Like something may have happened and your exhibit or your music deals with that. So even though it's not on your album release schedule or your exhibit schedule, it still can be out there in the culture, in the conversation. And so keep an ear to the ground of when other people are talking about stuff that's close to home. Right? right? So I think artists generally think of like, I'm setting the agenda because my album is being released on the 13th. But it's like, yes, but there's a whole world where things are happening and you know, try to see when you can fit into the kind of you know the news agenda and news events and things that are that are happening. You know, I think something that happens a lot is the U.S. is such a cultural kind of superpower that we we have conversations when things happen in the U.S. and in Canada the conversations not as much. Mm-hmm. But use that to your advantage. Something could happen in the U.S. that's really big, and you're like, hey, this happens here too, right. and I've written about it, or this happens here too, and I've done an exhibit or I held a panel discussion where I invited three artists to talk about this. Mm-hmm. So keep your ear to the ground too, right? Like you have your own kind of schedule, but the world does too. Mm-hmm. Like, so find a, a medium between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's such a good point around, if there's a conversation happening and you've already contributed to it, you've organized something, you've done an exhibit, your work takes up that subject matter, 
insert yourself into the conversation. One hundred percent. And it's like it might be approaching media, or it might just be as you said, the Twitter thread. Right? Exactly. The post on your LinkedIn and connecting that back to the exhibit that you did. Really positioning yourself as someone who thinks deeply about this particular subject matter or has an opinion. Mm -hmm. right? Basically, has an opinion. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's so amazing. Thank you so much. Seth. Thank you again for having me. Thank you again. For